man. Shut the door, sit down, clean your ears, and stop listening to what your mama needs you to be doing right now. You're going to listen to the Boxing Podcast. Campbell Hatton perform in his pro debut versus Jesus Ruiz. 
Uh, <clears throat> so I just want you guys to keep this in mind. Ugh. Well, here, let me let me start off by saying this. I believe that Campbell Hatton did an okay job in his pro debut against Jesus Ruiz. I would give him probably a... I'd probably give him a C, to be honest. And, you know, that can be excusable because um, it is his pro debut. And a lot of the time when, it's, when, you, when you're in your pro debut, you have a lot of nerves. You want to prove a point. You're, you want to get the knockout so you can be an exciting fighter. Everyone's riding on your pro debut. Your pro debut will set the stage for how you're going to perform in the future. So when it comes to a sport like boxing that you know, talks a lot of money, it can put so much pressure on a fighter to just go out there and do such a great job. And when they go out there and they have all this pressure, it puts all technicalities aside. Your skill, your calm fighter mentality just out the window. And that's what can make a pro debut really difficult. <clears throat> but um, keep in mind that Jesus Ruiz Campbell Hatton's first opponent <clears throat> came into this fight with zero wins and 10 losses. So that, and that's reasonable. I mean, you're always going to have like a very shitty opponent for your first fight. However, I don't know, just like all losses, 10 losses, no wins. <clears throat> and you're the son of Ricky Hatton. <laughs> and here we go ju judging him again. But I mean, you're, son, you're the son of Ricky Hatton. We're going to hold you to higher expectations. So I, I'm a little surprised that the guy had at least, like, no wins. Um, we'll say Hatton did load up a lot on his punches. <clears throat> and he missed a lot of those punches. And a lot of those punches were ineffective because they were blocked. Um, but what I did like about his punches is he did keep the trait of his father and going to the body a lot. He's kind of not the best at disguising the punches, but again, that is excusable because it is his pro debut and you know, nerves come to play. <clears throat> so he does seem to have a big focus on the body. Um, not as hard as a puncher as Ricky Hatton, um, but he does seem, you know, he's very young. He is, you know, he's, he's He's still coming into a uh, into a uh, a man's body, so maybe as he gets older, he'll develop his man strength and will have harder landing punches. But uh, I, you know, <clears throat> what I find confusing is that Matthew Hatton, uh, a former opponent of Canelo, and also Campbell Hatton's uncle, is actually his trainer, and uh, that's confusing because why would you have Matthew Hatton the successful boxer among Ricky Hatton and Matthew Hatton be the trainer for Campbell Hatton. I would think that Ricky Hatton would take the responsibility of treat, uh, training his son, especially because he was more successful. So you would think that a more successful trainer, that being your father, would want to train you so he could pass down all of his knowledge and tips and techniques to you. And one would think, well, Ricky Hatton and Matthew Hatton are brothers. Shouldn't they have near the same techniques? Maybe they were trained under the same trainer and maybe the techniques will carry on that way. <clears throat> and it's not gonna be like that. Um, you could be trained by the same person and you will 
be completely different from somebody in your training camp um, or in your stable. And so that could be the case. I mean, I've watched Matthew Hatton's fight against Canelo. I haven't watched many of his other fights, but I will say that him and Ricky Hatton have a completely different fighting style. So when you're watching Campbell Hatton, I would urge you not to expect that Campbell Hatton is going to fight just like his father. If anything, he's going to fight more like his uncle, um, and that's only that's only natural. So, um, yeah, that's a little confusing. But Campbell Hatton, congrats on your first victory, man. Uh, I did see on Boxing Rec that you have a, another fight scheduled for May. Um, they don't have your opponent yet, <clears throat> but I'm looking forward to that, and I'll definitely be watching because I'm huge fan of your father and uh, I'm hoping you can continue the legacy for him so yeah and <clears throat> dude let's talk about Dillian White man the balls on the man the balls on the man when you get knocked out and you come back to fight the person that knocked you out in the rematch likely you're going to be a little scared. You're going to be a little worried. The knockout that you suffered in the past is going to be looming in the back of your mind the whole way through training camp, through the press conferences, when you're walking into the ring and once you're fighting, knockout. That the person standing right across from you has knocked you out before and you're facing him again. That will eat a man alive. And what's crazy is that did not eat Dillian White up. And that was freaking insane. Because he performed like he had never been knocked out by Alexander Povodkin. And I think that was a totally... That was an advantage for him to go in there and fight like he hasn't... He wasn't knocked out by Povodkin in the past. Because when you fight with zero confidence and you're backing up the whole time and most of your fight game is to defend and just win by points. Dude, you got another person on the other side of the room who knows he can knock you out because he's done it before, he's done it in the past and he knows that that's in the back of your mind and he knows you're scared of his punching power because he has the punching power to knock you out. So it was crazy to me that that Dillian White just went out there, dude. He. I mean, he even made a couple of mistakes, if not a lot of mistakes. He left his head hanging out in the air when he was swinging for punches. Um, definitely almost got caught in a, in a flurry that they had. Uh, and uh, it was just, uh, overall, it was a great performance by Dillian White. He is definitely a force to still be reckoned with. I know a lot of the people that, um, I mean, I know most people thought that he was finished after losing to Povatkin like that uh, because, you know, Povatkin is an older fighter and Dillian White, you know, he's always calling out Anthony Joshua, always wanting that rematch. And um, when he did suffer that KO loss, he, you know, that sent back a lot, man. When you're trying to, when you're trying to fight somebody that's the very top and you lose to someone that's kind of, not to say that Povatkin's at the bottom, but, you know, old and on his way out of boxing Losing to someone like that will set you back. People won't fight you. People will run from you. And I'm not saying Anthony Joshua is a runner, but if he can avoid Dillian White again, like if he can avoid Dillian White based on the fact that he lost to someone that's old, if I'm Anthony Joshua, I'm taking that. I'm taking that route. I'm getting out of that fight because I wouldn't want to fight Dillian White. He is, 
he is crafty, he's dangerous, and he hits hard, and he's um, he's definitely an elite. So, uh, <clears throat> congrats, Dillian White, on your revenge. Um, that was that was uh, that was a really good one. If if I were to have guessed, I I was I did not think that the fight was going to end like that. I thought the fight was going to go the full twelve rounds, and I thought Dillian White was going to get the best of all of the exchanges and win like that. But Dillian White obviously came to fucking fight. He came to beat the hell out of Alexander Povetkin, and that's exactly what he did. The KO was crazy. Um, and then not only was the KO crazy, but the sportsmanship at the end of that fight was amazing. And the way, you know, if, if you watch the end of the fight, Dillian White goes and grabs the stool from his side of the corner, brings it to Alexander Povetkin corner corner and um he puts it uh, he just sets it down and he tells alexander take a seat man um and you know to my surprise i'm i'm surprised that alexander provodkin's team didn't do that for him like what the hell was his team doing keeping him standing up like set the man down he just suffered a ko in the heavyweight division bro put the seat down don't wait for the guy his opponent that knocked him out all gloved up Walk all the way to his freaking corner. Walk all the way back and set the damn seat down for you. Pavelkin's team needs to get on his shit. Because the opponent shouldn't have brought him the stool. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but I also thought it was it was amazing Dillian White to do. So props to Dillian White. And then props to Alexander Pavelkin. If there's a third rematch, I don't know. Uh, they're one apiece. And I always think that when a fight... Two fighters are one apiece. There has to be that third rematch, bro. You can't just walk away like that. <clears throat> Especially in Dillian White's um, shoes. You can't walk away like that. You got to give Alexander his props. Give him another go at it. Uh, defeat him that last time and then walk away. Uh, yeah, and uh, I just think that way because if you're not fighting him... I mean, if you're not fighting him again after he just gave you a shot at redemption, give him a shot at redemption. It's only fair, right? I feel like that's only fair. <clears throat> but nah, yeah. Speaking of another heavyweight fight, UFC 260, Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic. Freaking crazy. Amazing fight. Holy cow. That was a spectacular performance by Ngannou. KO'd Miocic in, in the 52 second mark of round number two. Damn, um, it's it was a it was a really good performance by uh, Francis Ngannou, not only because he got the knockout, but by but because of the patience that he showed um, during this fight. If you've watched many of Francis Ngannou's past fights, this dude swings for the fences, man. Like I'm talking swings, like he swings. And when he does, it's just like, you're kind of worried for him because those punches are just flailing. And then when you're throwing flailing punches, you always got the chance of getting knocked out yourself. And um, I just thought, oh my God, if that's the Francis Ungano we're going to see in this rematch, I don't see him winning. But I'll tell you guys this, I did bet money on Francis Ungano because he has punching power and because he comes in swinging. And, you know, in the UFC, in the fight game, in boxing, and especially the UFC, anything can happen, dude. I'm telling you. 
You got legs coming at you from both directions, punches, takedowns, slams, everything. Um, and when you got someone like Francis Ngannou, the fucking monster that he is, it is insane. Anything can happen. And if you're going to bet on a knockout, you might as well bet on this big-ass, black, meaty buck dude that's fighting, you know, <laughs> Steve Miocic. And uh, so that's what I did. I bet $40 on him. And you know what's crazy? And I'm calling you guys out, DraftKings. I'm calling you guys out for this. I know I put my money on Francis Ngannou. However, right after he lost, I go into my DraftKings app and I check because I know I was going to collect about $80 in winnings. And so I go to the app and it says I lost. It actually said I bet on Stipe. I was so confused. I, I, I knew I had bet on Ungano and I just did not know what ha happened. So I was really confused and I went on Twitter. And if you guys follow my Twitter, um, I, I tweeted at DraftKings Sporting Books. I tweeted at DraftKings in general. I was pissed, dude. I was like, yo, I bet my money on the right person, Francis Ungano, and you guys took my, and I was only 40 bucks, but still, they took my freaking money and I was pissed. Um, but yeah, enough about that. Francis Ungano, super patient and throughout the whole fight, throughout all two rounds, just took his time picking his shots. He wasn't, even when he was landing like really good shots, he didn't, he didn't come out and just try to kill Stipe, you know? He he landed some questionable shots that you would think, oh, you know, I think that might have stung him. Like, I think that might have stung my opponent. Maybe I should just hop on him and just destroy him right now. No, Francis Ngannou did not do that. If he landed a good shot, he bopped through the shot and then was back. Chilling, chilling, bobbing and weaving, just maintaining his composure. And, um... Oh my God, dude, he was landing everything. It seemed like he was landing everything. It, it seemed like anything that Francis was throwing, he wasn't missing. He, la he landed some good shit on Stipe, and I'm surprised Stipe didn't go down at that leg kick. There was a leg kick in the first round that I was just like, oh my God, how could you survive a leg kick by Francis Ungano? And if you haven't seen the video when Francis Ungano throws a fucking leg kick and the power, that it, the sound that makes just backs up the amount of power coming from every limb on Francis Ngano. It's insane. <clears throat> no, man, but the knockout, it was vicious. Francis Ngano versus Stipe Miocic. The knockout was vicious, man. You know, because it, it was very fast-paced. Like, you know, first Francis is coming at Stipe. Boom, boom, boom. And then... Stipe is just chilling, and uh, Francis Ungano just throws. I, I, so I remember, remember this. They're like, kind of like, I think Francis is fighting on the back foot, and then Francis is throwing his punches, and as he's throwing his punches, Stipe actually catches Francis Ungano with a punch. And when he caught Francis with that punch, Stipe in his head, he was like, you know what? I think I might have clipped this guy. I think I might have hurt him. And maybe he did. We don't really know. But false. He did not hurt them. And he did not hurt him. And because he thought he had hurt Francis, he just walks in, guard down, ready to throw a punch. 
However, Francis Ngannou capitalized on that and just starched him. And boom, Stipe hit the floor. It was crazy. Um, again, this is another thing where I'm just like, should Stipe get a rematch? Should he be able to rematch Francis Ngannou? I mean, I know Stipe has accomplished so much in the heavyweight division in the UFC. So it's like, do you give this champion, this long-reigning champion, a rematch against someone that he's previously beaten? Probably. I mean, I would think. I know a lot of people might not want to watch that or give Stipe the chance just because of how vicious the knockout was. But every fight can be different, man. Making small little adjustments in your game plan, it could change, it could change the fight. I mean, for example, think of Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. At the first fight, Conor McGregor starched Dustin Poirier in the first round. And then, you know, come the second, the rematch, Dustin Poirier goes to those freaking, goes to those legs with the, the calf kicks and boom, just destroyed Conor, knocked him out and finished him cold. And so that's my reasoning. That is my reasoning. Um, man, another thing that was crazy is the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren press conference. Oh my God. Uh, the whole time, both of these guys were tro trolling each other. Like they were sixth graders. Seriously, they looked like middle schoolers sitting on stools talking shit to each other. And I'm gonna be honest, Jake Paul probably had the better roasts. But both both sides suck. Like it was, it just just sounds like little kids. I mean, to be honest, Ben Askren just doesn't seem bothered by anything, and um, the one who does seem bothered by a lot is Jake Paul. I'm I'm not gonna lie, Jake Paul seems bothered by everything that Ben Askren said. And to be honest, I think what really got to him is when Ben Askren said uh, <laughs> when he talked shit about. Jake living in a, in a Logan Paul's uh, shadow. He called him the little brother, always living in his older brother's shadow. And I thought that was good because we all know, if you know Jake Paul and Logan Paul, we all know that's exactly how you get to Jake's heart and that's what destroys him. However, they do love each other and so I'm not saying it's like that they're super competing, but I know there's that small little competitiveness between both of them. But... um. Yeah, uh, I did see videos of Askren training with Freddie Roach and Gabriel Rosado. And I'm gonna tell you one thing is that I'm not impressed by the training footage at all. I think that Ben Askren just does not generate a lot of power. And not only that, but his punches are so sloppy. They're not, and not only that, like you don't have to have the most power to win a boxing fight, but I'm just saying, overall, his punches just seem like little noodles coming at you, like little flimsy noodles coming at you, and they almost look like they could be trumped if, like, someone were to throw a stronger punch, like, you just, like, move your hands back, you know, like, if Jake Paul were to, like, throw a punch while Ben Askren is throwing a punch, and, and, and their trajectory, trajectories collide, I think that, uh, Jake Paul's Punch is probably gonna make it through, and Ben Askren's hands are just gonna go back. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know, man. That fight was crazy. Uh, it's gonna be on April seventeenth on Triller. Um, and 
And you know something, you know what's funny about that press conference is Jake Paul did seem to get very mad when um, Ben Askren was just, you know, <laughs> I guess, so what, what Ben Askren did do is, um, I know during their face-off, Ben Askren was just put his hand on Jake Paul's face and then just bleh, just threw it to the side and Jake Paul got pissed, dude. He ran up at Ben Askren. He's like, come on, man, let's go, let's fight. And uh, Ben Askren just like didn't care. Honestly, it seems like Ben Askren's almost toying with him because he knows Jake Paul won't fight him like in a street fight. Like he won't actually come at him during the press conference. If Jake Paul were to come at Ben Askren during the press conference, that means it's a there's no rules involved. And if there's no rules involved, I believe Ben Askren will beat Jake Paul. But um, yeah, he did. He did kind of fluster Jake and. Jake almost seems very emotionally invested, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Jake Paul really fights with his with his with his, with, with his emotions in um, in mind during that fight, and if he does fight with his emotions, you'll be able to tell easily just by the way he's swinging his punches and. If he's whether he's tired or not by the third round, if he fights with the th his emotions intact, then he will uh, prosper and do well. And I think he will knock Ben Askren out. But <clears throat> I just don't see Ben Askren beating Jake Paul. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Ben Askren did a hilarious job at toying with Jake Paul. That was so funny. Oh my God. When he put his hand on him and just threw his face to the side and Jake Paul just, I think Jake Paul punched Ben Askren on his hip. I was like, did he punch him there? Cause that, he knows he got, he got like a new hip or something. Um, and then not only that, but yeah, I, I know Ben Askren went into that little face off cube and then he was just talking shit to uh, Jake Paul. And Jake Paul kept telling him to come down here and fight him. And, uh, God damn, what is wrong with me today, guys? I am feeling off today. But, yeah. We'll see. We'll see who really wins. I don't know how I feel about Ben Askren training with Gabriel Rosado. I don't know. Anyways, uh, another thing. Oscar De La Hoya July 3rd comeback was announced alongside Snoop Dogg on a Triller conference. Um, or I think they were announcing like the start of a new promotion called the Fight Club Triller or something like that. Um, but Oscar De La Hoya did announce that he will be making a comeback on July 3rd, 2021, or that's the date that he wants to make a comeback on. You know, things change easily in boxing. But this is after 13 years of inactivity. His last fight was in 2008 against Manny Pacquiao, my man. Um, and his fight's gonna be on Triller, duh. So I now my question is, I remember last year, Oscar Del Hoya was saying that the fight was going to be a legit fight against a legit opponent, and it wasn't gonna be an exhibition. It wasn't gonna be somebody, some celebrity star. It was going to be a legit opponent, 12 round fight. <clears throat> No pity patty. And so now that it's on Triller, I'm starting to question whether that is true or not. Because Triller is, seems to be hosting 
all of these celebrity boxing matches. Um, and I say that because Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson was, that was a celebrity boxing match. And then Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. I know they're not celebrities in their own rights. They're more fighters who are famous. So I guess it may, may be kind of celebrities, but these are older men and they did an exhibition fight and they are now celebrity, more considered just regular celebrities versus, you know, fighters who are fighting or active fighters. So now because Oscar De La Hoya is fighting on trailer, now I question whether his fight's gonna be legit. Um, I did hear that he was going to fight a UFC opponent. To be honest, if you're going to come back and fight UFC opponents and um, celebrities or fighters in their um, in retirement as well, I just would rather not see Oscar De La Hoya come back just because I know that he is a promoter himself. And um, I think that when you start getting the promoter into all of this little fantasy boxing matches it just starts looking bad it's really it's really going to start just making the sport look unstable it's going to start making boxing look like a joke where we just get all these old fighters out of retirement and get all these celebrities matched up with youtube stars and uh, you know athletes from other sports and i just i don't know i am not for oscar de la hoya fighting although i do think it'd be interesting if he came back and fought a legitimate opponent. Um, but again, I think that's dangerous. I, I don't know if Oscar De La Hoya really wants to put himself in that sort of risk. So Oscar De La Hoya, play your cards right, man, because you are a, you although you are not the actual face of boxing, you are a big face of boxing. And I think a lot of people look to you when it comes to um, legitimizing your sport. So, um, <clears throat> Please, please don't get lost in the sauce. Guys, we're going to make this one a quick one, man. The 30-minute one. Uh, the last thing I want to touch on is Andy Ruiz's thick thighs and big eyes, dude. Oh, my God, man. I This is kind of old, but I came across another video of Ruiz doing uh, leg extensions or I don't know what... Yeah, I believe they're called leg extensions. And holy cow, Ruiz's legs are ripped. The first time I had seen his ripped legs were in a picture, in an image. And you know, I was like, oh, those, those are ripped. But when you see the video of his legs extending and his quads contracting and all the veins and the muscly like the muscly, um, <laughs> when you see the veins in the muscly sculpted legs that they are, it's just insane, man. It's crazy. I have no idea that Ruiz had legs like that. And it just goes to show you how much a training, a different training camp with a different trainer and surrounded by other boxers, elite fighters who are just as motivated will change a fighter. His legs are fucking insane. They're so ripped. It's 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 like, I wanna say he's on steroids. Is he on that Canelo meat? Is he on those steroids? Because holy damn, I'm telling you, I can't wait. And this might sound a little weird, but I can't wait till we see a video of him just shirt off, 
short shorts or something just at his weigh-ins i can't wait to see him at the weigh-in when he's just in his undies i want to see how ripped ruiz looks like just in his undies i want to take the picture of him in his next fight against Ariola while he's in the weigh-in and i want to compare that weigh-in picture to his weigh-in against anthony joshua in their rematch because i'm assuming we are going to be seeing a huge difference and after that there'll probably be speculations about him being on Canelo meat, steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. But I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I just think the man found a really good trainer and a really good team. And that shit will do it to you. Show me your friends and I'll show you your fucking future. That is the truth. Um, and I don't know. I just... Oh my gosh. I am so excited for, for Ruiz to start fighting again. And you bet your ass I'm going to watch the next fight. And you bet your ass I'm putting money on Andy Ruiz. Um, I will say this, though. Andy Ruiz, you need to start fighting more, dude. Because inactivity will fucking burst your bubble. Um, so get into that ring. And yeah. <clears throat> no, but uh, basically, I'm making this one a short one, guys. I have a lot of shit to do today. I have, uh, I have to go home and I have to drive up. And when I say I gotta go home, I gotta go visit my family in my hometown. Um, this is my nieces, my nieces are having a birthday party, and I have to get to that. So this is really quick. This was very scratchy uh, podcast. Um, honestly, guys, sometimes I have the good days, sometimes I have the bad days. I want to know what you guys think, though. So um, if you guys have the chance, I mean, if you guys want to support this podcast. I urge you or encourage you and ask as a favor for you guys to leave a, you know, maybe a review on Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube, um, in the comment sections of any of my social media platforms. Let me know what you guys think about the podcast. I really want to know. I mean, I'm very new to this platform and I just want to, uh, you know do the best that I can for you guys. I want to be entertaining and I want to bring you shit that you guys actually care about. And, um, I try not to be so boring. <clears throat> I don't know, guys. Look, I'll ask for you. I'll, here's this. Let me ask one favor. If you have the time right now in the comment section or in the reviews, let me know what you think about this podcast. I'm never going to ask you for five-star reviews and never, 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 never will I ask for that because that is so fucking fake. People that do that, it's fake as shit in the world. I want you guys to leave me a one star if that's what you think. Two stars if that's what you think. Three stars. And if you really think I deserve a five stars, then give me that shit. But I want to know what you guys really think because if, if this is a one-star podcast but you guys are giving me five stars just because you guys are my friend, that's not going to help me improve. And I want to improve so that I can give you guys quality content. So let me know what the fuck is up in the comments and in the reviews. And let's talk business. And you guys can be a shareholder or just, I don't know. You guys can have an opinion on this podcast. You guys can con literally control what this podcast is going to be, how it improves, when it will improve. Yeah. So, yeah, guys. Sorry. I... God, today was such a shitty podcast, but you know, we're going to keep on trying. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep on rolling and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Uh, fuck. I don't know what's going on next week. You guys figure that shit out. Peace. <laughs>